0: Hashem ze fasayti v'tach, uvi agid tihi la secha. Hashem ze fasayti v'tach, uvi agid secha. Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. As we know in life, timing is everything. This is true in all aspects of life, be they professional or personal. We know that for a comedian, he could prepare the best material in the world. But knowing exactly how to present that material, that is going to make all the difference. The timing of the punchline is going to make the difference as to whether or not the joke will be very well received or fall flat. For a chef, uh, I suppose, uh, the timing of knowing exactly when to remove the food from the fire That's going to matter a lot. A trader has to know. you got to buy low and sell high. Even I know that. Uh, Oftentimes, a physician will know that it's not enough to know the most effective course of treatment, but knowing exactly how to time that treatment, that is going to make a very big difference. And it is true in all areas of life. Think about parenting. As parents, timing plays an especially significant role in the raising of our children, not only in determining what is appropriate at which stage of their lives. But even on an everyday level, at times, a reaction to a particular behavior must be swift and immediate. A toddler who strolls into the street, so that deserves an immediate response. If I'm going to wait until we get home and have a sit-down conversation, well, that is going to be too late. On the other hand, there are certain types of situations where it would be appropriate to wait several days, if not longer, until I can actually have a conversation and discuss with my child some of his or her behaviors which are concerning me. And it is therefore very difficult to understand the reaction of Moshe Rabbeinu to the Chedah Egel, of which we read yesterday in Parshas Kisisa. The Torah tells us that when Moshe was still on Har Sinai, Hashem told him, Leich it is time for you to go. You have to descend the mountain. me'eretz Mitzrayim. Because the nation that you have helped bring from Mitzrayim have corrupted themselves. And HaKadosh Baruch is more specific. He tells them, Saru maher they have deviated from the path, they created a calf, an idol. They are worshipping it. They are bowing down to it. They are bringing sacrifices. And Hashem says to Moshe, you have to get down there and you need to deal with this immediately. And interestingly, the Torah does not record at that moment that Moshe had much of a reaction at all. So Moshe prepares himself, takes the luchos, descends the mountain, and then the Torah tells us, when Moshe approaches the camp, and he sees the eagle and the dancing, Moshe becomes very angry. He becomes very angry, and he throws from his hands the luchos and breaks them at the foot of the mountain. And at first glance, it would seem that Moshe's reaction follows a pretty significant delay. You would have thought that this anger would have been evoked already on Har Sinai, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him what was going on. After all, he had no reason to doubt that what God was reporting was completely accurate, but yet he seemed to remain calm, cool, and collected while it was on Har Sinai. It was only when he descended the mountain that the Torah records that he gets angry and he breaks the luchos. So what is going on here? So the Barbanel answers that Moshe actually made a calculated decision to delay his reaction until he descended the mountain, because he wanted the people to know, to understand the severity of their actions, and it would not be enough to go down and to give them a little muser He had to shake them up. He wanted the shviras haluchos to be, as the Torah tells us at the end of chumish le'enei kol Yisrael, before the people, so that they could see with their own eyes. Moshe had to do something which make a very, very strong Roshem, and in order to do so, he timed his reaction. This is the approach of the Abar Benel. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetzky, and the Sefer Emesli Yaakov, however, does not does not favor this particular pshat for several reasons. One of them he mentions is that the fact that the Torah seems to record Moshe's reaction, his anger in particular, only when Moshe descends the mountain. Again, the Pesach says, "Va'yikasher When Moshe comes close to the camp, Vayaris ha'egel mecholos, and he sees the egel mecholos and the dancing, Vayi Moshe becomes angry. And Rabbi Yaakov asks several other questions as well, And so therefore, Rabbi Yaakov comes to a somewhat different conclusion over here. And he says that we see that Moshe was prepared to be Malamid schos on the people. After all, Moshe says to himself, listen, they are depressed. They are not thinking rationally. They've been slaves for many, many years. Now they've been in the Midbar. They've been through a lot. They think I've died. And so therefore, he's prepared to go down and have a conversation with them and try to clear things up from Moshe Rabbeinah's perspective this is something that could be characterized as one terrible misunderstanding. And there is room to be melamid Khus, and that was Moshe's intention. He wanted to try to use his soft, generous diplomatic efforts in order to resolve this very, very complicated situation. However, says Reb Yaakov, as he descends the mountain, he hears noises. At first, he's not quite sure what they are. Is it a war that I hear? And he comes down, and he sees something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had not told him about. He sees the dancing. Rabbi Yaakov is Medayik, and the Pasik says, Vayar es egel umicholos. He saw the egel and the dancing. He saw the celebration, the rejoicing, the partying, and then he became angry. He could no longer justify their actions. As long as he thought that all that was going on Again, not to minimize it, was the fact that they had gotten themselves into a big mess, but they were struggling through it. They were really, really having a difficult time. So then he said, okay, I will work with them. But when he comes down and he sees the parting, he sees the joy in the celebration. So that, says Rebbe Yaakov, is the very first moment that Moshe has the thought to take the luchos and cast them to the ground. This was not a calculated choice, as the Barbanel says. Rather, this was an instinctual reaction. V'yicharav Moshe, Moshe becomes angry in the moment, Vayashleh mi'adav, he takes the luchos and he throws them to the ground, because he felt that there was no place to be melamitzchos. They had rejoiced over their sin, and this is something that angered Moshe terribly. Now this is a very fascinating and insightful approach of Rabbi Yaakov, and I think that it offers us perhaps a lot of room for perspective on life in general. You know, often when we think about our Hashem, when we think about the things that we do and the things that we don't do, the things that we should do, the things that we can't do. So we tend to think about them in a very, from a very limited perspective. We think about the actions alone, our actions and our inactions, our successes and our failures. And we don't necessarily pay as much attention to what we are bringing to it from an emotional perspective. How much of ourselves are we putting into it or how, to, how much of ourselves are absent from the particular moment? And what Biakhov is pointing out over here And reminding us of something that I think that we know, and that is that the context matters a lot. Rabbi Yaakov says that when Moshe heard about the Egel Hazov, he was willing to work with that. He said, I know that this is a terrible, terrible failure on the part of the people, but we can fix this. This is something that is not beyond repair. And he goes down with the luchos in hand, intending to give them the luchos and to figure out how to fix this. However, when he comes down and he sees rejoicing in the celebration, he says to himself, "No, this is far more offensive than I had originally thought, and so therefore calls for a more dramatic response. As I said, there is so much to consider here, and there is so much that we can relate to our own Avodah Hashem. But of course, here on Praying on Purpose, you know what question I'm going to ask right now, and that is, what does this have to do with davening? So the answer, I think, is quite a lot, but for one simple point for your consideration this morning, I will take this opportunity to remind each and every one of us that Chazal put great emphasis on our state of mind, both our mental state of mind and our emotional state of being when we daven. I want to refer you back to a Mishnah that we referenced several months ago, if not more, that Chazal tell us that we have to make sure that we are in the proper state of mind and being before davening, that a person can, so to speak, show up in shul and have a sitter opened to the right place, and he could have his finger on the place, and he could be there on time, and he could say every single word. However, his mind and his heart could be elsewhere. And it is possible for a person to, on a certain level, sort of externally, superficially, be going through the motions, but yet completely absent from a mental and an emotional perspective. And when it comes to tefillah, while we could make a case that that is something, Right? We could give such a person, we'll, we'll say, partial credit, but ultimately the mitzvah of tefillah is one that requires a complete engagement. It is one that requires a person to be present. And we could even make a case that even in a situation where a person finds himself at a particular place and time, we're struggling a little bit with the formal construct of tefillah, where the act of tefillah, if you will, where going through the motions is something which is difficult and challenging, either for external reasons or for internal reasons. Nevertheless, a person's state of being at that time, his or her connection to Rabbonu Shalom, that is a relevant part of the story overall. We cannot and we should not look at prayer merely as being a technical set of obligations that we need to fulfill three times a day. It goes much deeper than that. And the connection the emotional state of being and our state of mind that we bring to the tefillah experience, that is something that ultimately is going to really be sort of the engine that drives our prayers. And so therefore, as we consider the import of Rabiako's fascinating perspective on yesterday's parsha, how Moshe Rabbeinu was willing to go ahead and work with Klai Yisrael, as long as he thought that it was only the Egil. But when he realized the celebration that was coming along with that, he said, uh-oh, this is a much, much bigger problem than I had originally realized. This is not something that I anticipated, and it requires a much stronger response. We can, I believe, take away from there that our state of being, our state of mind, what we bring to Ravod HaShem in general, and to tefillah in particular, is something that is going to matter, in some cases a lot more than we tend to realize. And so therefore, as we prepare to daven each and every day, we should be Mindful, not only of showing up on time and not only making sure that I have my fingers, so to speak, on the right place, but making sure that my heart is in the right place, right? If there's a difference between being there in only a physical sense and actually being present mentally and emotionally. This is a big, big part of the Avodah satfila that we need to work on each and every day. May we be Zohe to remind ourselves every day when we come to Davin that it's not enough that we show up. It's not enough that I have my finger on the place. It's necessary that I be fully present and engaged and try to the best of my ability to bring my entire self to each and every tefillah. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.